Well, you are now live with uh, Community Connect on OCR FM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast. We, we are also streaming live at all the W's OCRFM.org.au. I'd like to pay my respects to and acknowledge the Gulijan people who are the custodians of the land we're on today as well as to the Gadabanud who are along the coast. And I'd also like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present and future. Back in the studio, Ed, we didn't even do a, a warm-up track then because we're a little bit after 11 o'clock, how are you? That's fine. I'm really well. Good. A bit cool in here, but the weather's going to be fine. It's great in here. It's better than outside. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Look, today we're part of the millions in more than 190 countries around the world recognising World AIDS Day, which has been held on the 1st of December since 1988. And the theme for Australia in 2019 is Every Journey Counts. And today's guest in the studio, and I'm really chuffed to have him here, I thought I might get him on the mic, get him on the microphone, might get him on the telephone uh, to be down here or to have a chat with us, but he's on the microphone and he's in the studio, and that's Dr. Michael Roberts, who is a GP, he practices, and I don't know why they have to keep practicing, you'd think they'd get it right at some stage. You'd think so. (laughs) He practices as a GP in in the community health in Geelong, which is only very, very close to Colac. It is. Good morning. Good morning, and especially when you come down on a bike. It was cooler than I expected. Yeah, it was, but you had your rugged up, and now it's cool. A bit is reasonably cool in here, but it's still sweet. And I'm not sure about the bloke next to him, whether he's sweet or not, but we've got Bob Perry in here as well, and who... Oh, well, Bob Perry's Bob Perry, and he's been in here before, and he doesn't want me to mention a book. Who does he? You don't need to mention the book. Okay, I won't mention the book. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Bob. World AIDS Day. Now, I've got a little bit of a spiel here, um, and we and about it being to encourage Australians to educate themselves and other HIV others about HIV, to take action to reduce the transmission of HIV by promoting prevention strategies and to ensure that people living with HIV can participate fully in the life of the community free from stigma and discrimination. And now, the World AIDS Day started in 1988, and I don't want to to be negative because we're going to be positive about this, as I hope we can be, but in 1987 there was a Grim Reaper ad that only went on for two weeks. And I remember it on, Bob's older than you are, I think, Michael, and about the same age as, as Eddie. We remember that very, very well, and even though it went only for a very short time, it frightened hell out of everyone, I think. It was pretty graphic. Uh, it it's, was. Uh, it's the bowling one where the yeah. uh, families with the pins, the and, pins. The, and the Grim Reaper would bowl and take out anyone at random. Man, man woman and child. Mm. It was taken the whole lot of... But the thing was that that's where, and with part of what I read that out for is, but free from stigma and discrimination, because what it did at that point was stigmatise basically gay men. It, mm. well, that was in my opinion, yeah. and I think you find that that was one of the reasons because it created such a, a a rub that it was taken off after such a short time. But it still had that huge impact. How do you feel about that? Or well, how did it how did it go with you, Rob, Bob? I qualify you, on both counts, being gay and being HIV positive. Oh. Um, I think it were, I think it did what it's supposed to do. Frankly, I, I saw it shocked the hell out of most of us, um, and that that's what it was for. Um, the community needed shocking, 
uh, and I think it I don't know, you're talking about it 30 years later, so it was on for two weeks. So it must have had a pretty big effect on most people. Um, and I know it had a big effect on the behaviour of some of our gay friends. So I think it was... So I it did, have a, problem with it did it. have a positive effect. Absolutely it did. OK, well, because I wanted to give that impression because I didn't know... It did didn't want it to go on for too long, but, yeah. Well, uh, for me, it was like, well, hey, are we all going to get AIDS? Who gets AIDS? No. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, you know, it started a conversation, didn't it? It sure yeah. did. Well, who do? Yeah, who, who gets do? Well, What is it? Well, the, uh, I, I mean, I thought the ad was very effective and it got everyone talking uh, and it put HIV on the map. Um, and uh, and as Bob says, that uh, I guess was the, um, was the intention of the ad. Uh, it, it was dramatic. It got uh, people of all ages and genders and alignments uh, talking about it. And I think that it uh, dramatically changed behaviour, uh, which I guess is the other aspect of the campaign, um, and that is for the better. Now, the I guess your point of does it stigmatise the disease as a, uh, a gay man's disease? Yeah. Um, and the ad doesn't uh, infer that. Uh, in fact, it, it, it suggests that it affects everyone, which it does. Um, the but but you're recognising that at the time it it was a disease that was predominantly in the Australian setting. Um, it was dominantly affecting um, uh, men who have sex with men, hmm. um, and. It did change uh, behaviour, uh, and that's what it was intended to do. And and so I think it was an, an immensely effective ad at the time. Okay, so now what as Ed said now, what is AIDS? And we need to find that out before we go much further. And why? I suppose why? Why Michael Roberts? Why have I got you here? And, and who is he? There's another ah. thing. And why are you one of the uh, one of the specialists that I had difficulty in finding? Sure. Um, the um, I'm a GP. Um, I um, um, my wife and I uh, worked in the UK as a working holiday um, in '89-'90, uh, um, so quite some time ago. And one of the easiest uh, areas of work that we were we fell into was working in the what what were called the genitourinary medicine clinics at the hospitals there. That was easy for you to say. <laughs> They're called gum clinics, oh. genitourinary medicine. And um, uh, it was at a time where there was a lot of... Talk about uh, being stigmatised. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that, was, that was the name for the STI clinics. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, STI being a sexually, sexually transmitted, transmitted infection. infection. Um, okay. What used to be STD, and, but, but that got confused with phone calls. Um, but um, but the gum clinics um, were uh, places of immense funding because there was uh, enormous amounts of money being flown, uh, being poured into HIV research. Uh, so these clinics were uh, were well funded, and they were the uh, the Rolls Royce of uh, of outpatient clinics. Uh, GPs in the UK didn't tend to do much in the way of STI work. They would send patients directly into the gum clinics, 
um, and uh, all patients would self-refer, and it was it was fun, and exciting, and we we did it for every year and uh, did the appropriate. Uh, uh, study and uh, set exams in the area, and uh, uh, it it was uh, yeah a fun and interesting area to to study within. So uh, coming back to Australia in ninety one, um, having children, um, settling down as uh, um, GPs in the Geelong area, uh, it, it seemed a, a natural progression to continue to work in in the STI field, uh, and that gravitates into HIV. Okay, and there is a narrow band of GPs only who work in that area. And yes. why, why does why is the GPs aren't general in that regard? Uh, I think that uh, there's a couple of uh, aspects to that. The uh, uh, m- most GPs uh, look after STIs quite well. Uh, HIV uh, has. Um, the medication that uh, is required for HIV is expensive and it is uh, maybe changing quite quickly and uh, it is in the field of the infectious disease uh, physician um, prescribing realm. Uh, It often requires expensive tests and GPs are not able to prescribe HIV medications. Um, or at least that has been the case until recently. And uh, so so if you're not allowed to prescribe, then you're, ex- you're, you're cut out of the management to a large degree. So people, so people with HIV got looked after their, by their infectious diseases specialists um, and the GPs weren't, uh, weren't so involved. So with Geelong now and Colac people who are looking for a GP who specialises in HIV, where do they, do they find them locally? I mean, I had to find you in Geelong. Yes. Um, well, I think people would struggle to find a uh, GP. So, um, so, um, so Bob's pointing out uh, um, uh, a name, Rick Milner, who's um, been, uh, been a, a, fanta- a fantastic doctor working in... Um, mm-hmm in both general practice and HIV. Um, uh, and he, Rick uh, is, um, has had some health issues and, yes, uh, and has um, stepped back from some of his uh, duties, but he was, uh, he was the primary doctor in um, eight, crossing the fields of HIV and general practice. Uh, I've, whilst I've been working in STIs for, um, well, over... 25 years um the i've really only been stepping up to hiv over the last uh, um five or more years do you have to have is there any qualification yes so so you do actually have to become an hiv prescriber as a gp Mm -hmm. uh now it is actually a uh funded course so you don't have to pay for this uh qualification but it does mean that you have to have this uh, training that um, takes you to Melbourne for um, a number of weekends and you then have to um, sit, uh, well, well you, you, you have to do some assignments and projects that get marked by two independent mm-hmm. uh, um, infectious diseases physicians and then you have to show that you've 
um, being mentored by an HIV specialist and that you have ongoing um, contact with an HIV specialist to act as a resource. Uh, and that's not that easy uh, if you are the more the more rural you work the harder that becomes yeah. in Melbourne uh, there is uh, several specialty clinics where GPs band together that are interested in HIV care uh, and they are most of them are HIV prescribers and have done the course and have this area of special interest um, and one would argue that uh, this uh, a, a much um, more populous and active um, uh, men who have sex with men uh, gay scene in Melbourne than there is outside of these um, the urban area. Um, it's a, a lot of a, a lot of gay men uh, think well. They they tend to gravitate towards uh, cities mm. such as Melbourne and Sydney because it's uh, they feel. Well, it's uh, maybe uh, there's more things going on, and uh, uh, well, so well, I can break in on that one. Though part of that is a stigma, is because you know, I have relatives, and one of my my nephews moved to Melbourne because of the stigma that he was experiencing, not just from community here. This is going back twenty odd years, but also from within his family, yeah, which is still common, and and family do still stigmatise and or shun because, you know, I mean, that mm-hmm. that beggar's belief. And, I mean, yeah, Rob, Bob, you can talk a bit about that. And, yeah. and also, you, you, I want to also ask, as you're going through it, where do you go for your... Are you treated locally or do you have to go to Melbourne or where do you go? No, no. <clears throat> um, yeah, no, I, I go to Melbourne. Uh, I, uh, you mentioned Rick. Lovely bloke. He is. Yeah, I oh, Rick, if you're there. Um, Rick because of the health issues, no longer does the, the HIV people or looks after the HIV people. So when he stopped, I couldn't find anybody in Geelong, apart from the hospital. The complication there is if you go to the hospital, you have to get your meds through the hospital and pay for them. Yep. Whereas if you, you... Rick used to write the script. I used to have it filled at the clinic in Melbourne, at Carlton, and you'd get your meds for nothing. Now, um, so nobody at the hospital could explain that's got something to do with funding. It is, yep. Yep. So I go to Melbourne now. I go to the Carlton Health Mm. Clinic there, and I get my meds and have... And they specialise. Yeah. Uh, And the the doctors where Rick was, um, they're trying, and they're lovely people, but they're not specialising. Sure. I go for them for my normal stuff, but... So two of the doctors at that clinic uh, are doing the yes. um, HIV training, um, I believe. Oh, fabulous. Yes, they are. Uh, and uh, so that uh, hopefully will uh, fill a hole. And um, the, I guess the problem is that there's this discontinu- discontinuity uh, between uh, Rick uh, oh, stepping hey, back. and a bit of a gap. Uh, that's probably a better word. Um <laughs> Whilst whilst these other doctors uh, um, are upskill, mm-hmm. um, but um, uh, but it would be better uh, if uh, all doctors uh, were able to prescribe because it's not that complicated. No. Um, it's 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 you could compare it to diabetes. Uh, if you've been if if you're a GP and you've been told all your life that you're 
not allowed to look after people who are diabetic because it's too complicated or it's uh, the mm-hmm. medicines are too expensive, uh, then you de-skill. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's the same with HIV. I think that most, uh, well, I think that all GPs should be able to prescribe. They can, uh, they can have um, uh, people with HIV can uh, have their medications initiated by their infectious diseases physician, and then they can be managed uh, in general practice. Perhaps that brings us to the the point. Perhaps we should explain the difference between HIV and AIDS. Yeah, and why is it all? But then it's not. I know well, the difference, explain but people it, but out it says there HIV, sure. but then it's got HIV AIDS together. So yes. you better give us a yeah. run on that, yes. That sure. would be good. <laughs> so, so HIV um, is um, the human uh, immunodeficiency virus, and it did uh, change its name a few times uh, back in the 80s. Um, don't don't tell us what. To no, do. I won't. Um, <laughs> but but it um, but but AIDS is the um, the immune deficiency syndrome, which uh, hope well, we rarely see nowadays. Um, uh, fortunately, so that's where people are uh, sick due to a. Uh, the impact of HIV. So, so most people nowadays will uh, not experience AIDS. Fortunately, uh, we still see um, patients present with uh, a profound illness that uh, that that is. Um, these these are the sorts of illnesses that we see in people who have got a def- uh, an immunodeficiency. Um, and they are then uh, found to have uh, an HIV infection, and that's often called an AIDS-defining illness. Um, that does damage the immune system, so it's uh, far superior to um, screen people who um, might be exposed to HIV or just screen the population. So we, for instance, uh, uh, will frequently uh, routinely screen men who have sex with men. We will screen... Um, travellers who have uh, had uh, uh, sex with uh, people from HIV high prevalence um, parts of the world. Uh, we routinely screen uh, women who uh, fall pregnant, um, and we, if we pick up HIV, then we can uh, treat that before their immune system degrades to the degree that uh, people get. Uh, AIDS. Right. Okay. So AIDS is the disease. HIV is the infection. Can you some talk on the medication? How it's progressed over the last? Right. Well, now, Bob, years? you've just taken my thunder. Oh, did I? Sorry. No, no, no. That's fine. No, we need a break because you did. You mentioned about uh, medication and that sort of thing. Because now what we want to do is learn on how you're living with HIV, and to destigmatize about facts that people can live with HIV. You can still cuddle them and you can still shake hands and that sort of thing. Oh, you're you're no longer... Once you're... Well, in my case, I've been undetectable, which is the viral load. In the blood, I've been undetectable for nearly 12 years. Yeah, well, see, that's... Uh, Well, why didn't you give me a hug when you came in? Because I've... I don't know where you've been. Sorry. I'll tell you during the... During the song. Well, I got a big hug. And uh, I've been yeah, with Greg. I, I know where you've been. I've been with Greg. That's right. Yeah, come on. So you work it out amongst yourself. Sorry, sorry, people out there in listening land, but they're getting a bit rowdy in here. We're going to put on one of, of uh, Dr. Michael Roberts's tracks, and while I'm, I'll just hand put the thing in front of him here to let him choose a track. 
um, that will play off his playlist that he sent to me. And there were a couple of them I couldn't play because they were a bit too long. Um, Although they just say that. But you, you have I get to introduce the song? You can uh, just tell me who you're going to, which one, what um, number. L- number three, uh, I'd love to hear Kingdom by Dan Sultan. Oh, okay. Well, that was one that I was definitely oh, going to play yes. because he's a, he's a mate of ours and I've, we've met a few of his relos and that sort of thing. So we're going to have a listen to Dan Sultan um, and I'm going to try and organise Bob Perry to behave himself a little bit better during <laughs> the next part of the program. Along with Edwina, thank you very much for being in here. You're on Community Connect with Eddie and Greg on 98.3 FM here in Colican District and 88.7 FM along the coast, where it's now 22, 23 minutes past 11. And we'll listen to this track by Dan Sultan and be back with you shortly. That quietened them down. Yeah, that sure did. And that was the dulcet tone of Bob Perry once again (laughs) breaking in on the... Program before I give a chance to welcome our listeners back to Community Connect here on 98.3 FM. Way good, he is Bob a naughty Perry. boy Way here good. on 88.7 FM along the coast. Very, very naughty man. He's sitting here with Dr. Michael Roberts, who is sitting next to Edwina, and Edwina just thumped her drink on the table. Sorry, guys. My foot. Oh, it was your foot. I'm okay. not drinking in here. No, no, you've got a sealed container anyway. Yeah, welcome back. And as I'll just remind people that we are streaming live at all the WSOCRFM.org.au and I'll be getting a podcast of this up as soon as possible and we've got to make sure we get a photo of the people in here so as we can put it up in, along with that podcast. We were talking about living with it and Bob's living with it and living with HIV and I now understand a bit more. One's a disease, one's an infection. Yes. And, and that... Uh, to live with HIV, though, to live with an infection, I know that I've had a couple of different things, and they pump penicillin and that sort of thing into me. What uh, What are we doing? How are we keeping people like Bob alive, and how are people living with HIV, Michael? So uh, the, the treatments have evolved immensely, but um, uh, HIV is uh, now regarded as a chronic illness as opposed to a fatal illness. Um, and uh, so we, from from the 80s and 90s, we've morphed from um, people having to take uh, sometimes up to 20 tablets a day, uh, interspersed at over over four intervals over the day, and with uh, quite unpleasant side effects. Uh, and and we have um, evolved into quite often a single tablet a day that is free from side effects uh, and uh, these medications not only suppress um, viral um, uh, activity within the body but they seem to clear the virus from the body not permanently but um, but to undetectable levels which re- um, which equates to uh, no longer being infectious as well. Um, and it also preserves the immune system along the way. So, so it's like if if we're going to use um, a uh, a blood pressure or a diabetes analogy, it's like providing perfect sugar control or a perfect blood pressure. We hope that um, by the early adopt the early detection of HIV and the early uh, clearance of the virus uh, that uh, we preserve people's immune function such that people should be able to uh, live uh, a, a normal and full life. They're no longer infectious. They can't p- 
pass the virus to their loved ones um, and uh, the medication whilst they, at this point in time, uh, we still need to take the medication for the rest of our lives, but uh, but but a, but a normal life should be um, uh, easily achievable with the the, the current uh, status. Uh, very lucky. We are very lucky. We're very um, we're, we're privileged to be in a uh, affluent um, community, and where where research and medications uh, um, are, are, are of a high quality. I think Dr. Blewett gives a lot of credit for that. Yes, yes, he he um a bit like um uh needle exchange for uh hepatitis C management. Um um there was uh for for HIV the um uh Mr. Blewett uh, uh called in the 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 various uh knowledgeable professions uh and asked what do we need to do to uh contain uh, HIV and there wasn't it wasn't based on economics it was based on what do we need to do um, and uh, I think it was an example of things being managed well. That brings in a, another area I was going to actually equate it earlier on about with NSP programs and things like that where we got our safe injecting rooms and, and injecting drugs was another way of getting AIDS as well as as unsafe sex, which we want to talk about as well. And blood transfusion. And blood transfusion. We've got a fellow who had hep C through a dodgy transfusion many, many years ago, and he's now clear. Before screening. Before screening. Yeah. So things have evolved. But the re- is one of the reasons why we don't see, according to the AOD people, alcohol and other drugs people, there's no need for a, a safe injecting room anywhere near Geelong because there's not the predominance of people injecting in Geelong. Is it the same? There is not enough HIV in the Colac Geelong area to have sufficient resources here to cope with the population of HIV within our area. I mean, it's a silly analogy, but is there any truth in it? I think so. Uh, um, In New South Wales, there are... um, multiple um, ST, government-funded STI clinics. Uh, my understanding is that there's six or seven of them uh, scattered through the state. Uh, in Victoria, we have one at the Melbourne Sexual Health Clinic, and that is, that's got independent funding, so it can subsidise uh, medications and, uh, and testing and uh, people... Anyone can rock up and be uh, be treated, and it's open um, at least five days a week. I'm not sure if they're, it, they're fantastic. Yeah, wonderful. Um, the green room, if you're listening. So, <laughs> the so, green room, they're called. Mm. Ah, mm. good. Yeah, the um, so 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 they are a funded service, whereas um, every other service has to uh, work within the constraints of Medicare. So, for instance, the University Hospital, Geelong. Um, uh, provides a, um, a a space for us to uh, offer an, an STI clinic uh, on Tuesday afternoons between two and six. Um, but we <laughs> but we have to um, you know it's a once a week service which is between two and six between two and six uh, and it is uh, the instruction is that uh, as long as it doesn't cost us anything that's the so we have to bill through Medicare 
uh, to subsidise the service. Um, and um, and so the budget, so there isn't really a budget for uh, for the service. Uh, now I believe in Ballarat that there are um, there is a the hospital has a an STI service that uh, uh, operates five days a week. Um, so Geelong isn't smaller than Ballarat, uh, and yet we have a half-day service, which is, I guess... Two hours is not a half-day, Michael. No. Um, The key is that it's pretty close to Melbourne, isn't it? Yeah. I think Melbourne is reachable, and I think that's the argument. Uh, We're not a suburb, though, are we? I just feel as though we're the second biggest city... And I some people may not be able to get to Melbourne. You're right. Personally, as people age, they won't be able to get to Melbourne. So, what are we doing to look after people in our communities? I can only speak for myself, of course, and I'm more than happy with the help I've had over the years. Um, The Alfred Hospital is fantastic, wonderful people. I don't know about the two clinics in Melbourne. There's the Carlton Clinic, yep. and then I think there's another one out the other side somewhere. Um, there's one in the... Uh, Brunswick, St- is it? Well, I think there's a Western-based uh, clinic, but there's also one in St Kilda. Ah, right. Well, now that's... Sorry. That's all good that you've got those, but now what about training? You mentioned there are a couple of GPs from uh, Dr Milner's yep, in uh, 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 training. So... Um, that's for that's for HIV. Yep. But now there is also the need for the training in all areas of STI and also the medication or being able to prescribe all round with GP. So, what about our private health network? Are they not able to push it from within the? Is that part of their remit? As Jason Trithow and he loved that word remit um, used to use. Yes. Is it uh, part of their remit to push that. Well, that would be good. The um, uh, I, I guess general practitioners need to be interested in the area, and I think it's I think it's a bit frightening for them. Uh, the uh, we don't want it to be frightening. <laughs> We've got to have it as a, it's, it's got to be normal. That's what we're, one yes. of the reason we're doing this program, Michael, is to try and normalise it. So how do we stop them? F- if your doctors are bloody well creating a stigma around the whole thing. We've really got our knickers in a twist because what we do here in most of the things where you're looking for help is first port of calls your GP. Yes, yes, you're quite right. And um, so I think that uh, the... um, I think that uh, uh, GPs... uh, Don't tell me they're human. They're human. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Bob. (laughs) But... uh, uh, no, look. I think most GPs are, are, are not um, are disturbed or, or discouraged. It's just that for uh, up until um, uh, a year and a bit ago, they were they were cut out from prescribing any kind of HIV-related medication. Um, now they can prescribe um, PrEP, which is pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is HIV preventative medication. Perhaps you should explain that. Yes, yes. So, so, so there is. So, we are uh, one of the ways in which we're getting on top of HIV is by uh, offering a preventative medication. Um, 
that's um, called pre-exposure prophylaxis, and it's shortened to PrEP. And it is um, a, a tablet that uh, that we take once a day, um, and it is very effective at preventing HIV. Uh, it is very well tolerated, and um, uh, we package it. People get uh, a three-month prescription at a time, uh, and any GP can prescribe it. Uh, and uh, it, uh, it, because it's packaged in three-month uh, intervals, it means that um, men that uh, or, or, or women under specific uh, women at risk as well uh, can access uh, prep, um, and they um, they get their STI screening every three months. Uh, and it is uh, it's it's a terrific innovation. Um, it's effective. Absolutely, uh, well over ninety nine percent. Fantastic. So that's a of prevention, but isn't prevention better with safe sex? Yeah. What about condoms? What's happened to them? They're cheap. They I are know, cheap. I've never bought them. I tried to buy them once, but <laughs> I was only fourteen, oh. and the bloke told me to bugger off. That's because your brother sent My you. My brother sent me. <laughs> the sod. I didn't know what they were. Ah, that's unkind. <laughs> that was very unkind. <laughs> the um. <laughs> So, so, uh, so, safe sex is part of the part of the message um, because um, preventing HIV is uh, obviously something that we uh, are, are trying to achieve. But um, but we're also it's there is not just HIV out there as a sexually transmitted infection. There's also gonorrhea and syphilis and chlamydia. Um, this wart virus and there's herpes virus and there's uh, a, a few other um, bits and pieces as well but um, uh, it is uh, condoms are, uh, are still uh, promoted but but um, humans being humans uh, sometimes uh, condoms break sometimes in the setting of alcohol or other substances they uh, people might make decisions that that they uh, reflect upon and um, might do otherwise, uh, might, uh, might regret what they uh, what they got up to, um, or there there just might be the excitement of the moment, and uh, um, uh, so sometimes condoms are not used, and uh, and so prep is a terrific harm minimisation strategy. Uh, and because we are seeing these people on prep uh, at regular intervals, we can um, we can pick up on uh, whether they've been exposed to other infections along the way and treat early to minimise um, uh, them getting sick from the infection or passing on an infection. Okay, I'm going to have a little break there because there are a couple of things I've got to try and get into my head of and work out because I could recognise that it was in a way allowing unsafe sex but then again I can understand the reasoning behind it all and uh, I presume they've got the same sort of thing goes on because I mean if you're in danger of getting pregnant there's a post or the day out morning after pill or something that women can have and that sort of thing as well isn't there so there, there is that's all, the, yeah it's all sort of tied in like that. Is that that's where my head just sort of went oh absolutely it's um we're, we're hoping that prep is not a um uh, a means by which people can then ignore safe sex. It is, um, it is counterproductive, isn't it? It, it does. The, the, the advances uh, in medication have only have, are working against 
So there, there, there is uh, an enablement. I can hear all those of, of, gay of, people of out there saying, but... Uh, that's, what, that's, what, what, no, Bob, that's fair because that's sort of where my head went. That's exactly I, what's yeah. happening. Uh, I'm, yeah, I've seen it. Um, mm. The prevalence of unsafe sex and sex without a condom um, is growing. Yeah, and I think of all the schoolies. Because we're so much better off. Yeah, I think of now all the schoolies and everyone. It's about education. Of course it is. It's always it's been about, about education. Talking about what you think's the hard stuff. Back in the 60s, um, when the pill, uh, the contraceptive pill was yeah. introduced, the uh, it was um, it was there were there were discussion points that uh, society was going to unravel because uh, women. Uh, would be enabled to have unprotected sex um, and that marriage and institutions would fall apart um, because women would be having sex left, right and centre. And Let's, uh, let, let's wonder who said that. Yes, yeah. uh, well, it's... Um, <laughs> there, there would be... <laughs> there would be conservative elements within the community and, and, and the pill uh, nonetheless was uh, introduced and the sky didn't fall down and uh, um, and and uh, I think prep could be viewed in a in a similar light yes uh, there is a degree of enablement um, but probably more of an enablement uh, uh, are social media apps um, the uh, um, they are more enabling I think than prep but uh, but I, I mean I've got patients that uh, are 16 or 17 that are still at school and have just come out and they're um, exploring their, um, their their sexuality and they are at risk. They're, um, they, they're young, they're, they're perceived to be bulletproof, they're taking risks and uh, at least we can put them on PrEP and prevent them getting HIV. We might not be able to modify their behaviour very easily but... Uh, at least we can pres- we can we can keep them negative um, whilst they uh, uh, sort themselves out to a degree. We will have that little break I mentioned a couple of <laughs> minutes ago, and we're going to listen to Birdie and the music that we've had today. It's incredible. There's some other tracks that uh, Dr. Michael Roberts, who's in here today with us, has, uh, was suggested to put on a playlist, and I've never heard of half of them, or most of them. One Republic, Timberland, and. That or whatever else, I'm not sure. We're going to go out with one I know, though, and Edwina doesn't like. And Bob, behave yourself, please. Yes, Bob Perry's in he's here as well. His age. With Edwina as well. And uh, you're on Community Connect with Edwina and Greg McHenry. It's flying along. It's almost quarter to the hour when we'll go back on to autopilot here on 98.3 FM and 88.7 FM along the coast, where we are streaming live at all the W's, ocrfm.org.au. But yeah, we'll have a listen to Birdie and be back with you shortly. That is um, Birdie and a track called Skinny Love and thank you Bob Perry who is in here in the studio with us here on Community Connect and uh, 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast where we're streaming live at all the W's uh, at ocrfm.org.au with Dr Michael Roberts and Edwina McHenry and I thank you Bob because you didn't Start talking before I did. <laughs> I was quiet. I was waiting for you. <laughs> very good. That wasn't my music, by the that way. That was very good. No, no, that was Michael's <laughs> music. That's one of Michael Roberts' track. It's a beautiful little track, too. Um, 
You mentioned before we went to the break, Michael, about how young'uns are... Uh, you've got some of them in your care as well. I do. And what? What? A, I mean, and a lot of exploration goes on with young kids. What happens with those who might have, or even with older bloke, older people, older men, women, who may have put themselves in jeopardy somewhere? Else? Sure. So, so a lot of uh, sexually transmitted infections uh, do not have any symptoms. So, uh, we very much encourage awareness of that. Uh, because it is very easy to um, go to your GP um, or go to a sexual health clinic such as, such as uh, University Hospital uh, Geelong's Brash Clinic. Um, or, um, or, or, yes, there's, there's, um, there's some um, HIV and high-volume um, STI clinics uh, such as the, uh, the Carlton Clinic um, in Melbourne. Um, but... Um, uh, and, and we run one at Cardinia Health as well. It's um, on, a, on a Thursday afternoon, but basically they can be seen uh, Monday through to Saturday. Um, and um, so seeing, seeing your GP is preferable uh, because people usually have a good rapport with their GP and GPs do manage STIs well uh, on the whole. Um, getting STI screening done, um, having... Um, Part of the blood tests might include uh, uh, HIV and syphilis, um, but also uh, we can check people's hepatitis B status to make sure that they've been uh, adequately immunised for hepatitis B. Um, and we also have um, uh, sometimes other immunisations that we like to promote as well. Um, for instance, last year the government had a um, funding for um, meningococcal vaccines for men who have sex with men. Um, it was only funded for uh, about 18 months uh, because there was a little blip um, that the health department noticed where men having sex with men were getting uh, an increased incidence of meningitis. Uh, and so there was a, uh, a program to try and capture uh, these men and uh, uh, with, with the vaccine, um, and that was... Uh, that rolled out very well. Um, the people uh, should also be um, uh, aware, uh, particularly um, men who have sex with men, uh, that there is a post-exposure prophylaxis. Uh, that's summarised as PEP as opposed to PrEP. Um, post-exposure prophylaxis is taking uh, these HIV-effective medications um, for uh, 28 days uh, starting within 72 hours of exposure, uh, and that provides um, very good protection. Uh, not as good as the pre-exposure prophylaxis, but it is, uh, it's thought to be over 80% protective if people start on the um, HIV medications uh, within 72 hours. And they can access um, post-exposure prophylaxis either through the hospital clinic, at, uh, uh, which is called BRASH, um, at Geelong Hospital. Um, the, uh, they can also access it through the emergency department at the Geelong Hospital, um, or they can uh, access it at Cardinia Health. So we, um, all those um, venues can access uh, the uh, post-exposure prophylaxis readily uh, in our area. Otherwise, uh, it would be available in Melbourne, but I'm not quite sure how to access it in Melbourne because it's not an area that I work. Okay. Um, but uh, but it but it's it's funded through the Alfred Hospital uh, and it's free. 
um, and, um, uh, and and it, and it works. So just um, awareness of that uh, that medication is uh, is one of the things that we like to get out there. If you've had unsafe sex and you don't have the PEP post exposure prophylaxis, yes, yeah, post exposure prophylaxis. How's that? I was able to say it. Yeah. How long, if you've been in danger, how long before it's going to manifest itself anyway? Because, I mean, do you get a blood test done or something, or how does that work? You get a baseline test at the time, uh, which... Uh, but it takes um, four to six weeks to uh, for for the blood test to uh, demonstrate uh, exposure to the likes of HIV and syphilis and hepatitis C. Um, so uh, it is so the blood the, so the blood test won't be uh, uh, won't show an exposure um, early on. Uh, so the so we have a baseline blood test at the time of prescribing the uh, post exposure prophylaxis, and um, uh, and then we do another blood test six weeks later, uh, which hopefully uh, we can reassure people that they have uh, uh, avoided exposure to HIV. And when you start treatment and all this has been going on, you can have a long and fruitful life, Bob. Absolutely. You and can. live with it. You're so lucky. So you're living with HIV. It's not dying with HIV. Yeah, and I think that itself is um, probably a bit of a negative to the safe sex and the positive and the better way of living. Um, because now we're not, no, it's no longer front line, is it? Uh, we're not dying like we were. Um, yeah. So it's it's a little. It's gone off the radar a bit, hasn't it? That's why we're here today. The HIV has, um, look, it's certainly turned a corner uh, in this uh, discussion of eradicating uh, HIV. How's that going? Um, Where is that? Well, we're not, we're not getting um, the... I'll, I'll, I'll just interrupt you. Uh, some of my friends have now gone off the medication. Ah. I know the look on your face that they have <laughs> because they've been on it for 20 years and they've just had enough. Mm. We're starting to get stomach problems mm-hmm. um, uh, and that is quite debilitating. Um, and some of them have said, no, enough. The, I, I would hope that, uh, that those uh, individuals have uh, come off the medication in... Uh, with um, uh, after discussing the matter with their uh, with their their, their medical carers because there are uh, there are new medications coming on the market uh, multiple times per year. Um, this in, I was reading in the paper today that we've only just had a a, a new medication funded today, um, and uh, which. Um, so that there's constant improvements. They don't know where it's hiding in the body. That's the thing, do they? Uh, they I, and my doctors say, oh, well, it's there somewhere, so we can't go off the medication. The uh, it will it will reside in the blood or bone marrow. Uh, I'm, yes, I, I guess I don't know mm. exactly where it uh, hides. It's normally within the cells. 
Um, how much of this is known and how much is it sort of... Uh, um, look, I suspect it's known, but it's just not known by me. <laughs> yeah, you're opening up a can of worms bothering me. But the reason that people are well uh, is because they take their medication. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, and it is a... Um, so it does disturb me a little because... Uh, but I, taking I this medication every day is a cumulative thing. Eventually, it plays on your mind a bit um you know you and i'm i admit i'm not as diligent as i used to be um the uh i would like to think i don't know for sure um but but a lot of uh, a lot of men that have been put on medication that are um their their old medications now um, and they're they're harsh and with side effects and that, that well, can be both a, psychiatric your, and and bone and blood and liver yeah. and kidney and and that there are some harsh medications uh, historically and people who have tolerated the medication and it's doing the job uh, they're usually left on those old medications providing they're happy with them but if they've got side effects. Uh, then they're usually offered the newer medications. It comes down to numbers, doesn't it? If you can stop taking, well, it was about 12 when I started, a day, yep. and now it's down to one. Yeah. It's fantastic. The doctor says to me, do you want to change it to one? What am I going to do? I'm going to say, yes, of course. Yeah. Um, no, it's so I think the doctors, the clinic, is fantastic in that sense. They're always up to date with Because they deal, this is all they deal with, they're right up to date with it. And they say, ah, new one's out, better than that, you don't get the side effects. Yep. We'll go on to that. There have been a small amount of people who have had their viruses cleared, but it's quite a rare thing. And so my concern is that going off the medication enables the virus to come back and people get ill. I reckon maybe you could have a get-together with your friends and have a bit of yarning about it with the doctor. We do on a regular basis. Oh, that's wonderful. Every three months, of course. All right. Of course. Because we don't want it getting out of hand. And uh, it's uh, something, you know, I think we've had a great discussion here, Michael. I'm glad and so happy that you came down. I've got to let you know next week we're going to be having a two-hour program. Hopefully everything will go well. We're going to do an outside broadcast from the park over the road here, Centenary Park, I think it's called. Edwina's chewing her nails <laughs> about it. But we're going to get assistance. I think Tyson's going to help out as well to uh, promote the 16 days of activism against gender-based violence. We'll have um, Holly Kershavell will help drive that with us, Ed, and we'll be having multiple people come in to have a, or come up to us and have a bit of a yarn and talk about what's happening. But it's a silent march that's on from Copac to the park here, and we'll be in the rotunda. We're going to go out with a track, and it's a Johnny Cash track, and it's called One. And uh, we are going to go over midday before we before we get back onto uh, before we go back onto autopilot, and that is much to Edwin's chagrin that we're putting on Johnny Cash, but the other three blokes in here, the three blokes in here are looking forward to it. Thank you, Bob, for being in here. Last word from you, though, uh, Dr. Michael Roberts. I think is to go talk to your GP, and let's take more GPs. Come on board. Absolutely. Um, most people get on well with their GP, and um, and even if they need to be trained up a little bit in prescribing prep, uh, they can all do it and see your GP for STI screening. Good on you. 
So we will go out with the Johnny Cash track, and I'd just like to thank all you listeners for being here, and we'll be back with you again next week here on Community Connect at 98.3 FM along the or in Colac and 88.7 FM along the coast. We will be getting this podcast up at the earliest possible time. Please don't leave the studio until we get a photo, you people. <laughs> and we'll get the podcast up. But just remember, you can always listen to us streaming live at all the W's, ocrfm.org.au. We will be back to talk with you again next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station.